Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. I'm your host, Eric Steven. Uh, I have a Dodgers Rewind for you today, but uh, this is a solo episode with just me. Um, This one's about Ed Vandenberg, who is a left-handed reliever who pitched for the Dodgers just one season. Uh, It was in 1986. It was also part of a very interesting time in baseball labor history, which is why I thought uh, he might be an interesting topic. Um, So the Dodgers acquired Vandenberg from the Mariners for 37-year-old catcher Steve Yeager at the winter meetings in San Diego in 1985. This was in December. So Yeager and Bill Russell were the last remaining players from the Dodgers that Uh, won four pennants and a World Series uh, from 1974 to 1981. Russell ended up playing one more year with Los Angeles in 1986. Yeager uh, played 14 years with the Dodgers. His 1,181 games caught his fourth all-time in franchise history behind only Mike Sosha, John Roseboro, and Roy Campanella. The, The Dodgers had a real strong run of of catchers, man, like just uh, a solid, like basically six decade run, <laughs> really awesome catchers, or maybe five decades, I guess. Um, and, and just you know, very solid. I mean, Jaeger wasn't the best, like offensively, but defensively, he was awesome. Um, sort of spurred the invention of the the net guard. Um, yeah, just just an incredible career. But he he was also old at this point in his career. He was limited by injuries in 84 and 85. He was behind Sosha on the depth chart. He started 84 total games in those previous two years before getting traded. That didn't stop uh, Mariners president Chuck Armstrong from saying, this is from the Sporting News, uh, that Seattle expected Jaeger to catch between 100 and 120 games in 1986. That's something he only did once. Jaeger only did once in the previous six years. Uh, So Jaeger in 86, he started 44 games behind the plate. He had 208. 273, 269 with a 49 OPS plus. That was his last major league season. Um, but on the Dodgers side, they they badly needed left-handed relief, and like everyone knew it. Um, in 1985, Steve Howe, who was, you know, uh, for I guess for a good portion of the early 80s, was their closer. He closed out the 81 World Series. He also battled. Drug problems was suspended uh, multiple times by Major League Baseball, including missing all of the 84 season. He went AWOL a couple times in in 1985. Um, 
he had, you know, the previous drug suspensions, was a heavy cocaine user at times. Um, he was released by the Dodgers in July that year. Uh, they also had 21-year-old rookie Dennis Powell, who pitched in 16 games, and Carlos Diaz as lefties in the bullpen. So Diaz had a pretty good season that year, just, you know, pretty, like, just nominally decent numbers. But he was also used in by far the lowest leverage situations in the bullpen, so he wasn't really someone they really trusted. Diaz pitched twice in the NLCS against St. Louis in 85. He entered down three and down nine in his appearances. That gives you an idea of sort of where he was at on the depth chart. Um, he didn't pitch in game six when Jack Clark homered off Tom Needenfewer to clinch the series for the Cardinals. Um, much was made about that decision uh, that led to the home run, but few – uh, revolved around a tired Needen viewer. Like, he had already faced Jack Clark earlier in the game and struck him out. You know, this was his second time facing him. That's just the way relievers were used back then. Like, Dennis Eckersley, they were, were still a few years from Dennis Eckersley sort of redefining the closer role as like a one-inning thing, pretty much. Uh, but there was talk about how the Dodgers could have walked Clark with first base open. He had the left-handed Andy Van Slyke on deck. It was a very complicated situation because... The Dodgers, as we talked about, didn't really have lefty relievers they trusted. And the Cardinals could have simply also pinch hit for Ben Slyke with a righty. But th that game six was still front and center on everyone's mind that offseason. So in the San Bernardino Suns' first interview with Vandenberg about a week after the trade, uh, that was the lead of the um, the story by Greg Patton of the San Bernardino Sun. And Vandenberg was quoted as saying, gee, I wish I had, I had, a been, I had been there. <laughs> so... Um, Dodgers general manager Al Campanis told the AP after the trade, one of the things we needed was middle relief. We contacted all the teams except one, I think, and we made the decision uh, that uh, we liked Ed Vandenberg. This was not something that came up lately. So they'd been working on adding a left-handed reliever for a while. The Sporting News quoted Campanis uh, saying middle relief was, quote, what we were weak at last year. So that's why they traded for Vandenberg. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more about his 1986 season and other stuff surrounding it um, after the break. What I remember about um, Ed Vandenberg uh, joining the Dodgers, and, and probably this was the reason I, I decided to have him as the Dodgers Rewind this week, was um, in the 132-card set of 1986 Tops Traded. Uh, that was an annual um, update set a few months after the regular uh, set each year. The, the regular set was 792 cards at the time. The traded set basically included play anyone who switched teams, like, you know, most by trade, some by free agency. But also for collectors, they had um, upcoming rookies as well. The 86 Tops traded set had uh, the first Tops cards of Wally Joyner and Jose Canseco, for instance. Um, what stood out on the front of Ed Vandenberg's card was uh, Tops chose to stray from its normal, like all caps style um, in in typing his name. Instead, opting they they called the new pitcher Ed Vandenberg. Uh, Vandenberg, all one word except the A N D E, were all lowercase. I will include the front of this card in the um, in the post uh, in the show notes for this this. Uh, podcast because it just it looks funny for one thing but also the uh, Vandenberg is two words his actual name on the back of the card they got it right um, it's V-A-N-D-E and then the second word is B-E-R-G so it's not one word but anyway 
on to Vandenberg, the pitcher. He was 27 in 1986. He pitched the previous four years for the Mariners. He averaged 68 games and a little over 84 innings per year in those years with Seattle. He had a 3.75 ERA, a 1.11 ERA+. Plus. Um, he was named AL Rookie Pitcher of the Year by the Sporting News in 1982. He was also a local boy. He was born in Redlands, uh, just like my uh, one of my best friends, Scott, who I've known since kindergarten. We went to K-12 through together, so still friends to this day. Um, Vandenberg went to Redlands High School. Then he started uh, college at San Bernardino Valley College. He ended up transferring to Arizona State. Um, in college, he pitched for Team USA in the 1978 Amateur World Series, winning a silver medal. Others on that uh, USA roster included... Uh, future Dodgers uh, Tim Wallach and Tim Leary. Also, uh, Terry Francona was on that team, as was Atlee Hamager. Um, Vandenberg was drafted by Seattle in the 13th round in 1980. Um, Vandenberg, uh, in spring training in 1986, he told Steve Dilbeck in the San Bernardino Sun, um, or I'm sorry, th- this is, um, oh no, yeah, this is what he told Steve Dilbeck, excuse me. Uh, quote, the L.A. Dodgers uh, pennant races all the time. You get exposure. People are going to hear about you even if they don't want to. It's just all over the newspapers. My mom just told me, you're a long way away, but I know what you're doing every day. Um, side note, I sort of felt that way. I grew up in Palm Springs, which is roughly two hours from Los Angeles. But when you're a kid, and especially me, we I didn't like take like a lot of trips as a kid. And so even going like within the Palm Springs area from like city to city seemed like a long trip. Two hours away seemed like forever to me. So I get why someone in Redlands who's, you know, cut maybe what a half hour off that trip uh, to LA uh, to them where it might seem like far away. But um, in reality, it's still reasonably close. Um, Vandenberg that year for the Dodgers pitched 60 games that was third most on the team behind Ken Howell and Needenfewer. Those two uh, split closing duties. The problem was that team just wasn't very good. Um, the 86 Dodgers were 73 and 89. They were below average on both offense and defense. They had a 94 OPS plus, a 92 ERA plus. So uh, anything 100 is average. Anything above is above average. So they were well below average. Um, Vandenberg was mostly fine, 341 ERA in 71 and a third innings. He had the third most innings in the bullpen. His 102 ERA plus was the only number uh, in that stat that was even average among the relievers. Now, keep in mind, this was a different era. The Dodgers only used 14 total pitchers that entire season. Um, Vandenberg's 448 FIP, which again, not that uh, anyone knew what FIP was at the time, fielding independent pitching. That was the fourth highest on the entire staff behind uh, 37-year-old Jerry Royce and then relievers Joe Beckwith and Balvino Galvez. Um, Vandenberg had 33 walks against only 42 strikeouts, which looks horrendous, but it was honestly fairly normal at the time. Um, the Major League strikeout rate that year was 15.4%. Uh, Vandenberg was 129 so not terribly far off. His career strikeout rate, rate was 13.9%. Over his seven years, uh, and then the MLB uh, during his career had a 14.3% strikeout rate, so he was pretty much average in that regard. Um, he His career walk rate was 8.8% compared to 8.5% for the league. 
uh, his walk rate was pretty high in 86. It was 10.2, but it, he also had seven intentional, or yeah, seven intentional walks. So if you take that down, his walk rate goes to 8.2%, which is right in line with his career and, and the league for that year. Um, he allowed 12 of his 43 inherited runners to score. That's 28%. That was better than the uh, MLB uh, rate of 34%. Uh, so in other words, he was a perfectly fine pitcher, not too spectacular, but the Dodgers didn't seem to want him. Um, after that year, uh, um, or I guess before the 86 season, uh, before he pitched for the Dodgers, he avoided salary arbitration. He signed for $455,000. Um, that was the 13th highest salary on the team, but among relievers, only Tom Needenfuer was higher um, at about uh, $531,000 uh, per baseball reference. Notable in Vandenberg's deal, which was guaranteed, um, was that the Dodgers included a drug testing clause that the players' union was very much against. Um, this was the first uh, offseason after the Pittsburgh drug trials in 1985, during which several major league players tested before a grand jury, exposing a massive cocaine problem in Major League Baseball. We talked about Steve Howe earlier. Um, Eleven players were suspended by Major League Baseball uh, because of those, as a result of those trials. Um, Keith Hernandez, Dave Parker, Joaquin Andohar, Lonnie Smith, and Jeffrey Leonard were among them. All the suspensions, though, were commuted in lieu of community service and, and fines. Um, it, quote, it doesn't bother me, Vandenberg uh, told Steve Dilbeck in the San Bernardino Sun. I can be tested at any time. I think any time you pitch really well or strike out nine guys in a row, uh, you could be tested to see if you're on something. It should be noted that Vandenberg never struck out nine guys in a row, but just, you know, as a, as a point of contention there. Um, Vandenberg's agent told Ross Newhan at the LA Times, quote, there was no hesitation on Vandenberg's part and that the union must come to grips with the fact that an increasing number of players believe the drug problem has left them with a new responsibility to their clubs and the public. So this was sort of where baseball was at at the time. Um, this is also an interesting time for Major League Baseball labor relations. Um, in that same LA Times story from Ross Newhan that uh, quoted uh, Vandenberg's agent and his drug testing clause, uh, he all, Newhan also reported on um, the Players Association filing a grievance. This was February 1986. Um, they filed a grievance with the National Labor Relations Board about the stagnant free agent market. Uh, this was the genesis of three straight years of collusion by MLB owners, simply refusing to negotiate with some free agents in order to lower uh, salaries. A settlement in 1990 for those three years of collusion cost MLB owners a total of $280 million which was paid to the players. Um, so with that as a backdrop, the Dodgers didn't really want to keep a perfectly fine, if unspectacular, reliever like Vandenberg around because he was getting a little too expensive for them. Now, keep in mind, he wasn't a free agent. Well, they, they non-tendered him to make him a free agent. But um, in, mid excuse me, in mid-December, uh, Vandenberg said the Dodgers hadn't yet contacted him regarding a contract for 1987, uh, telling Paul Oberjurge uh, of the San Bernardino Sun, I hope I'm still with the Dodgers. I don't think I pitched that bad, but it's up to them to decide. Uh, he, again, he was eligible for salary arbitration that winter. A few days after that article, uh, Vandenberg was non-tendered by the Dodgers, um, He, as was catcher Jack Fimple, who was a previous Dodgers re Rewind subject last August. Um, the most that Dodgers could have cut Vandenberg's salary was 20%. 
which would have been uh, 364000 for 1987. Uh, the, again, quoted in the San Bernardino Sun, um, Vandenberg said, I guess they decided they didn't want me even at 20% less than what I got last year. So uh, though Vandenberg said he was shocked by the when the Dodgers non-tendered him, he also saw the writing on the wall. Um, his average leverage index, again, not that anyone was uh, had ready access to these numbers uh, in, in 1986, but it was a little below average, but it was it decreased as the season went on. For instance, he entered the game with a lead in only two of his last 28 appearances in 1986, so you could sort of see where this was headed. Uh, Vandenberg, that winner, uh, signed with Cleveland, put up a 5-10 ERA in 72 in the third innings. That was an 89 ERA+. Plus. In 88, uh, he signed with the Rangers. He had a 414 uh, yeah, ERA with 90, a 99 ERA plus in 37 innings. Uh, he bounced around in AAA after that. First, he was with Iowa in the Cubs organization in 89. Then he pitched three more years uh, for Calgary in the Mariners system. Never made it back to the majors after 1988, though. Um, in seven major league seasons, Ed Vandenberg had a 3.92 ERA, a 105 ERA plus in 413 games and 519 innings. Outside of uh, 17 starts in 1984 with Seattle, his entire career was out of the bullpen. Uh, his time with the Dodgers provided a glimpse into the inner workings of MLB labor at the time, and that's why I thought he'd be interesting. So that's today's MLB Rewind. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, and we'll be back with you again a little bit later this week. 